I am BV Harish Kumar and this is Career Checkpoint where I talk to some smart people who have been working for at least a decade and a half about what has shaped their careers and how they see the world. In this episode, I talk to Vinayak Shenoy, who's the head of marketing and retail Asia Pacific and Middle East Africa Lenovo mobile business at Lenovo. He's worked in multiple roles, countries, markets, uh, and industries. So our conversation revolved around how he unlearns to learn about a new market or assignment. I also learned what he does when he feels overwhelmed by any situation, and his take on what the moral job of marketers is in the boardroom. Thanks, thanks, Vinayak. Uh, thanks for being on uh, Career Checkpoint. Uh, you know, happy to have you here, and uh, you know, pick your brains on what you've been up to. Thank you, BVHK. Really nice to be here, and it's a privilege, yeah, to be on this uh, chat with you. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, throw you uh, a tough question uh, to start with. So what's what's with this beard? <laughs> Just trying to keep some excitement going. You know, why do the same old clean shaven look all the time? So I decided uh, a couple of years back that I would try a new look every few days. So I uh, I try something different. What's life without an experiment, right? So try something new here and there. So yeah, so I think every time I go to the barbers, my wife is anxious because she doesn't know what look I'm going to come back with. Right. Sometimes it's clean shaven, sometimes it's a Frenchie, sometimes it's a goatee, sometimes it's a handlebar moustache. Sometimes it's the caveman look, but yeah, just keep the suspense going, right? I mean, keep it unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you know, does that also echo other things that you do in life? Uh, you know, are you always trying to look for some, uh, you know, varieties, the spice of life kind of a thing? Yes, I mean, uh, spiritually, and I think uh, with a few years of life experience behind me, I think that's one thing I can say for sure, which is... Uh, everything changes, right? It's proverbial, it's cliche to say change it is, but I think you go through life, you realize that things never go as per your plan. Things are just happening to you. Sometimes they are coincidentally in line with what you planned. Sometimes they are better than what you anticipated. And most of the time they're sometimes below what you wanted, right? I think so keeping that whole uh, embracing uncertainty and embracing the uh, uh, change and flux, I think is something I've, I've, adopt, I've, I've embraced uh, in my last few years, I think, yeah. Sorry. Yes, so I think the beard is a reflection of that uh, philosophical outlook, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you mean to say there's a bell curve of, uh, you know, experiences and uh, things that happen to you in life as well? No, I think it's always exponential. I don't think it's a bell curve. It's okay. exponential, you know, because with every passing day, you accumulate new life experiences and... Uh, Every day is a new day. I mean, there is never, uh, you know, two situations are never the same. Sometimes the formula that worked the previous time doesn't work this time. So with every new experience, you try and apply what you feel like, a gut feel or what you learned in the past. But I think uh, life is an exponential curve. It's not a bell curve. It just keeps rising more and more. You get wiser with every single day you live, with every single experience. So you keep building. So it, it just goes up. And I don't think it's a bell curve that, you know, you peak at middle age and then, you know, after that life becomes a little quiet. I think it's exponential. Life just keeps building on itself. It multiplies with experiences. And yeah, I think uh, it always, it's, it's, uh, it's never dull. 
Yeah, <laughs> that that that's a great uh, insight to work on, uh, Vinayak. So I I'll just uh, you know go back a few years. So Ooh. you know quickly tell me how what you've been up to since passing out from MDI in two thousand four. Ah, that's uh, that question. Let me take a deep breath before I answer that one. So it's been what about sixteen uh, years, right? Since we we graduated from MDI two thousand four. Yeah, so it's been sixteen years. I think um, life. Life and career-wise, it's been uh, quite an awesome ride, I must say. Right? Uh, I think uh, career-wise, uh, ended up working with Nestle to start with. Uh, post which I moved uh, to Dubai. I was working with Heinz in the Middle East markets. Then I moved uh, to the Africa market, and I was working in the Africa market with Kraft Heinz for a short while. And more recently with Lenovo. So that's been my life uh, career trajectory. Right? Uh, but yeah, I think uh, over the last few years, I think I've had a fairly interesting uh, ride, which has been multi-country, multi-consumer, multi-culture. Um, if I look back, last 16 years, I've been, I mean, I've done business managed teams in over 20, 22 countries. Right. So it's been a very uh, interesting uh, experience pool. It's taken me to some very alien places, uh, places I never thought I would ever visit in my life. Uh, doing things, managing businesses, which I never really planned for. I mean, if you ask me back then in 2004, did I even think that I would be doing what I've done in the last, uh, I would say, 16 years? Not at all. Uh, I had a faint outlook of what I wanted to be, but today I'm far from that. And the life has taken its own different trajectory. Yeah. So that's been the last 16 years, really. It's been a joyride. Uh, it's like a Belpuri, right? <laughs> so it's got the nice, sweet moments, many of them. But then there's that occasional uh, hair-raising chili experience that's also there in between. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a nice one. But overall, the dish is nice. It's oh, been good. Nice. <laughs> nice. That, that's a nice way of uh, putting it. So, uh, you know, it's like you said, it's, I think it's a very diverse experience that you've had, both in terms mm-hmm. of countries, continents, uh, you yes. know, products that you've worked with. I'm sure organizational cultures uh, as well, given that, you know, very different yes. kinds of companies that you've worked with. So, yeah, you know, what, what were the defining moments or memorable moments in the last 16 years of working life? Working life, wow, okay. So I think, uh, I think joining Nestle from campus, I think was uh, a high point because, you know, it was one of those privileged companies, the most uh, wanted company, the people just aspire to work for Nestle at one point in time. So I think being a part of the uh, management trainee cadre at Nestle was a high point. I think Nestle was a great uh, school. I call it a school because there it's one organization which gives you time to learn, time to make mistakes, and it's a great coaching ground. So I think I pretty much learned a lot of my basics uh, to marketing, sales, FMCG management uh, at Nestle. So I think that for me was Nestle. I got to work on some very good brands, work with some very strong, sharp uh, marketing thought leaders. Right. So that shaped my early view on what marketing was. Uh, I think the second landmark uh, moment for me was uh, taking the leap to move beyond the boundaries of India and take a role with uh, Heinz at that point in time, looking at the Middle East geography. Because I think uh, born in India, brought up in India, working with Indians, you know, somewhere down the line, there are a few things you take for granted, like, you know, Indian housewife, SECA is this, right. uh, Indian male, 45 to 50 year old is this. So you already have these pictures, you have this set of assumptions that are already built in and you're in that slight, if I may say, zone of comfort. Uh, moving to uh, the Middle East uh, was obviously taking me out of my comfort zone. I mean, it took me out of the which was for me like 
home. So I think it was coming out of my comfort zone, right? And being thrown in an environment which was very different. So first and foremost, culturally very different, right? Um, the Arab culture is very different from Indian culture. Language is obviously, you don't even understand uh, Arabic. I, was, uh, I had very little uh, understanding of Arabic. Uh, channel was very different, trade channels. It was very different from India, which was mom and pop grocery led to more hypermarkets, key accounts, kind of a, a channel uh, structure. Uh, even consumer growth drivers, value drivers were very different here versus in India, mm. right? So I think getting out of that comfort zone and being thrown into an environment where none of the assumptions were valid anymore. I mean, even if I have to write a brief to an agency, I have to really think who's my TG, like how do I articulate who's an Arab consumer? Mm -hmm. right? So you really, I mean, it meant that I had to pretty much uh, put aside all assumptions and work from a clean slate. Right. Right? And there was a lot of trial and tribulations because I think even Heinz at that time, he was a startup. It was a small organization with not much of learning within it. So it was a lot of trial and tribulations. Uh, it came with a fair share of uh, expectations and responsibilities uh, because every decision you made had an impact on the organization. So, you know, you would feel the pressure of making a decision, if I may say that. You know, the, the responsibility levels were high. So I think that was my second kind of a turning point, uh, Harish, because I think getting out of the comfort, comfort zone and being thrown into an alien environment makes you rethink a lot of assumptions, hmm. right? Uh, I would say my third kind of milestone would be, I would say, moving to Africa, right? right? And that, for me, was my, if I may use the word, boys to men's transition. Mm -hmm. boys to men's transition. Because I think I'd done a few years in brand management in Middle East and in India. Africa was a virgin. It was a green space, uh, green field opportunity for us. Okay, we didn't have teams. We didn't know anything about markets there. For us, Africa was just one name. It was a big continent. We didn't know even subdivisions. You know, we didn't have insight to what Africa was. Mm -hmm. So there were a few of us who were tasked with you know growing Africa, mm -hmm. right? It was called the Africa Acceleration Plan or something. If I remember, mm -hmm. and I was given the task to actually head marketing and also do uh, a bit of sales development for Africa, right? And that journey for me was like taking our first flight into Nigeria, or going into Ghana, or going into like uh, Ethiopia, you know, Morocco, Libya. Kenya, I mean, this number of countries we crisscrossed, you know, going through a fresh, no background understanding at all, and actually building the learning for the organization. You know, it's like setting up your own business, right? right? Uh, you know, setting up factories, understanding consumers, setting up agencies, recruiting sales teams, marketing teams. I mean, for me, that was uh, my first kind of real uh, boys to men moment. And it was about kind of building something from scratch. There's nothing existed, you built everything from scratch. I think that was my, if I may say, third kind of a milestone, if I may say, in my career or big turning point. Uh, and obviously, the I would say the last highlight would be, uh, you know, leaving 13 years of FMCG experience aside and taking a leap into hardware technology sales with Lenovo, which was, again, like I said, you never plan for these things. Opportunities come by, you make decisions at a certain point in time. So I decided to leave a previous uh, journey and take on a new direction. And this has been another very interesting dynamic i think selling hardware devices and phones is so different from selling selling uh, food products mm -hmm. in many ways but yet there are so many similarities between the two so i think uh, this last four years have exposed me to a very different outlook on consumer marketing which i did not have in the past mm -hmm. so i'd say these are some four kind of key highlights uh, harish in, uh, in the 16-year career yeah. right right yeah, so a lot. I'm sure a lot of unlearning uh, would have happened at uh, you know these uh, points in time. So, do you think yeah, you have, you know ha has this given you this confidence now that uh, you know life, whatever life throws at you, you'll be able to manage? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, the word you use is very nice. It's unlearning, right? I think uh, never take anything for granted. I think that's what I realized, you know, every time I go into a new market, I mean, uh, any new market we go into or any new category we go into, I think the first thing is to go in with a blank piece of paper mm-hmm. and to rewrite all the assumptions of the market from scratch. Right. So don't walk in with preconceived notions. Don't walk in with saying, I have done this in this market. So I know the formula on how this works. And I don't know, like I go to Japan and say, guys, this is what worked for me in, uh, in Nigeria. So this is the formula for Japan. It does not work. So I think you need to invest time to write down your assumptions and your hypothesis very clearly because then you, that forms the foundation of every decision you make in the future. Mm-hmm. And there is the learning curve. But I agree with you. I think uh, experiences and being thrown into the unknown and having built uh, a few success stories amidst a lot of uh, not so successful stories has given the confidence that finally everything will be okay. Things will work out or, you know, we can navigate through this and nothing is beyond, uh, beyond my reach. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there are ways to solve every problem, right? right? Something requires you to do some, but there is a solution to a problem. Right. So I guess, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so is, is there a, is there a, you know, set system or process you follow when, uh, you are, uh, you know, faced with such a situation, a couple of sub questions to that. Uh, you know, first sub question is when do you really identify that this is a new situation, right? Uh, and you know, you have to uh, uh, look at it very differently. And uh, the second sub part is there will obviously be some wisdom that you have gained in the past, which you would want to leverage upon. Uh, so when do you know, you know, okay, I'm going with the same assumptions. I should check those assumptions. So is there a process to this? Uh, and how do you do it? Yeah. So look, I think uh, articulation of the problem is, I would say, 60% of the solution. Hmm. Defining the problem very clearly, right, is about 60% of your problem. And finding the actual solution to them then follows. But as long as you're able to identify the problem correctly, I think that solves a lot of things. And identifying a problem comes with the heightened self-awareness, correct? So I think you need to be aware on whether you're doing things by whim because of previous experience are you on a auto functioning mode is it just momentum that's propelling you towards a certain decision and it also comes from a lot of introspection which means spending time to actually write down your thoughts saying okay what's going on here why is this coming through right and i think there are moments when these uh, things become very evident so for example first obviously are the evident ones you walk into a new market right so don't walk in with preconceived notions or uh, you're working on a new category that you've never worked before or a new product so don't walk into the assumptions. The other thing is when you realize that there's a lot of resistance coming from local teams or you're getting feedback, which is contrary or different from your view of a situation, right? The human tendency in such situation is if the resistance is coming from somebody junior to you or younger to you is to override it, to say, you don't know, I know better because I have more years of experience. I'm your superior and hence I know better, right? Yeah. If it comes from somebody senior, then the question is, how do I manage this guy's expectation? Can I still get the decision my way? But for me, the, the unlock opportunity is, is, is where it lies. This is where the unlock opportunity lies, which is to say, here's a counter view that's coming in. Okay, it's different from my view. Do I intuitively just push it back or should I take time to investigate and deep dive a little bit? Understand where the other person is coming from, be it a junior, be it somebody else. Uh, be it a senior, but let me deep dive, evaluate, and then kind of make a, a calculated choice on what the decision should be, right? 
So I think these are moments when things become very clear that you know you you are either an autopilot or there's a different point of view coming from the other side, mm-hmm. right? But articulating the problem, Harish, like I said, is 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 very very important. I think most of the times we have an assumption which is very superficial, and we believe that that is the root cause, and then we try and find a solution to it. But there's a deeper underlying kind of a challenge that's there or a fundamental assumption that's wrong in your view of the market. So you need to introspect and deep dive a little bit to identify what the problem is. I heard at least two or three times in the last 15-20 minutes about writing down. So is that something that you actually do? Do you write down something? Okay, <laughs> you're showing me your journal. Great. Yes, I'm showing you my book. So this is uh, like a book I keep with me. I, I started, yeah, so it's interesting. So I started journaling about uh, about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a time when I had spoken to you, if you remember, about four or five right. years ago. When I was going through, you know, a fork in the road moment. And mm-hmm. I didn't know which way to go, right? And then you and me had spoken at one point at that time. But then I started journaling. And I found journaling as a great way to... Uh, put your thoughts and articulate it clearly on a piece of paper. It's helped me clear my thoughts and also helped me find answers to problems that I uh, want to find. Right. It's also helped me identify recurring thought patterns coming up because yeah, look, I wrote this a few days ago and there's the same thought coming up again, the same dilemma. So what was my answer at that point in time? It's been a great way of unloading a lot of the uh, mind baggage, if I may use the word, a lot of these garbled thoughts running in the head and bringing distilling clear, clarity into what I want. Right. So yeah, I think journaling uh, was a therapeutic discovery from four years ago. Uh, I make it a point every day, any moment I'm kind of unclear of what the choice should be, or if there is a lot of multiple thoughts that are coming in, I take, take some time out to just write my thoughts out. It's been good, it's not structured, it's like uh, all over the place. If you open this book, hmm. uh, it's a secret book which I keep to myself. Hmm. It's it's got it's got random thoughts. It's got thoughts about a career. It's got thoughts about life. It's got thoughts about food choices. It's got thoughts about uh, good whiskeys. It's got everything there. Hmm. But then uh, it's a way to just put it out there, and I think it's been a good discovery. Uh, highly recommend journaling. I think it's a great way to 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 empty yourself and get clarity. Hmm. Right, right. So uh, you did mention that there's no, uh, you know, process to it. Uh, you, you know, journal about different things, but is there a specific time of the day when you journal and, uh, you know, how do you look back at what you have written earlier? Do you uh, move them to some electronic medium? Just tell us more about that. Yeah. So I very, very old school. So I like writing. So it's pen and paper and a book. So I've never been comfortable with electronic medium to be very honest uh, obviously I've, I've seen your articles i've seen a lot of other thoughts on you know using apps to write or, or to uh, document uh, these things but i'm still old school i still carry a piece of paper even at work and here it's all written down on a piece of paper to do this so i think the the, the old school of writing things uh, uh, still works uh, but uh, do i have a particular time assigned for it uh, Typically not. So for me, the trigger point is when I find myself uh, on overload in the mind, if, I, if you know what I mean. Mm. I'm running into a situation where there's a dilemma, I'm not able to solve it. Or there's this flood of thoughts coming in, which could be anxiety, it could be something about uh, uh, anger about something, or discomfort about a decision to be made, or uh, you know these emotions which are not, I would say, positive and they're slightly uh, heavy, is when I turn to my book and then I journal. So I don't give it a certain time, but I've written and what I've done in the journal just so you know is I've 
segregated into sections. It's got a section on mm. one, two, three. So it's got these the old school paper fold in between. Mm. It's got three, four sections. So I write about different things: food, you know, sometimes about uh, spirituality, sometimes about uh, work and my philosophy towards marketing, sometimes about something else. So it's got three, four sections in it, and I just broadly put my thoughts in there. But I look back, so I take time to read through them every now and then. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing, you know. Sometimes I look back at my what I wrote three years ago. I wonder, saying, who wrote that? <laughs> that was a, it, and it's in a good and a bad way. And I first, like, what crazy thought was that? Right. I mean, how could I be even thinking of that? Mm. At the moment, I'm like, wow, that was wisdom. Like, how could I? write that same thing you know like that feels like i'm some spiritual guru how did i write the same thing so yeah i think it's interesting journaling is is amazing it's a new discovery and just reading what you've written two three years back or six months back is also very interesting mm-hmm. yeah but i think one thing i've done for sure is every time i've been go, i've gone through a slightly if i may say heavy moment uh, it could be anything like i said work related turbulence it could be uh, emotional turbulence it could be uh, discomfort about decisions to be made at work. It could be politics at work. It could be change at work. Uh, I write it down. Right. Yeah. So I think it's been good. Yeah. 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 And so how many journals do you have uh, by now? <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's one journal. It's about I would say roughly two hundred pages. Okay. But it's uh, very short and crisp notes. Okay. Okay. So I I'm not a poet. So I don't. I don't write with a lot of flourish or fill pages up. Right. So it's it's uh, it's short moments. I think every moment it's four or five key uh, thoughts uh, that you write. And then so when you look back, uh, it's it's very nice. It, it makes a nice good read. Right. And and uh, expect, than, uh, older than, yeah. Sorry. Can we expect a, a book to come out of that anytime soon? <laughs> maybe. In fact, you just told my word. Maybe actually, I was thinking about maybe yeah, maybe one day I'm going to write these experiences down, uh, saying uh, yeah, it's it's a there's, there's no gyan, it's just regular life of a human being. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's one thing that I'll be looking forward to, Nak, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so, interesting. Yeah. You've, you've also mentioned, uh, you know, spirituality. I know that, you know, you do meditation and yoga in the morning. So tell us a bit about that. You know, how, how important is it for you? Uh, do you do that very regularly? And was that another, some epiphany that happened uh, that got you into this? Yeah, so again, uh, so I would say, this again, this came into my life about four years ago, like I said, when this whole fork in the road moment happened, right? So when you're in dilemma, when you're in stress, you look for answers, right? right. And to be honest with you, I've been a guy who was always uh, on a on a chase, the chase for the next big title, the chase for the next big thing, hmm. uh, power, prestige, money, you know, it was always a chase. And every time you realize that you're not there's a gap between expectation and reality. It causes frustration. It causes discomfort. At that point in time, I said, I can't live with this for too long, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually, uh, life doesn't always go as per plan. So you need to uh, have uh, a strong uh, internal compass that will help you guide you through life uh, more easily. So you live life free. I mean, eventually, we have a few years on this planet, right? And the, and the objective should be to live it as happy and as free as and as light as possible. Mm. So I think uh, I got like, I didn't look for answers. I got introduced to Indian philosophy and spirituality. And I think that's been a big positive discovery. Yeah, I mean, yes, techniques of meditation, techniques of uh, kind of pranayama breathing, all of this help. Uh, but I think 
the basic knowledge, uh, which and it's been a simulation of multiple. It's not. It's been a simulation of uh, different scriptures, be it Indian, be it uh, Taoism, Confucianism, uh, Buddhism. So it's been this accumulation of various uh, philosophies mm. of how to live life lighter and free uh, has had a huge uh, impact on my life last four years. Right. So yeah, I think I, would, I, I, I can easily say that the last four years of my life have been more lighter mm-hmm. than the first uh, 37 years of my life. Mm-hmm. It's right. lived with much more freedom, much more clarity, much more uh, ease hmm. uh, and contentment. I think big word is contentment, which is finding peace with what you have and saying that this is what uh, is my call- calling. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, is there a, you know, a sort of an underlying principle that combines all the different you know, schools of philosophy, spirituality that, that you try to follow for your life? I mean, that this is something which is non-negotiable. This is what is going to keep, help me stay uh, contented and stay at peace. Is there something like that? Mm, very, very difficult to answer that because there is no one medicine for all uh, diseases, right? So I think every new, every disease has a new medicine, correct? Mm. So it's not like Panadol diya to sab logo chalo. You know, you got a decentry Panadol khale, Bukhare Panadol khale. So it's obviously different things for different uh, kind of issues, challenges. But if I were to say one key thing, it's acceptance. Hmm. Uh, which is uh, making your peace with the current moment and saying that this is what I have. Hmm. And, and making that peace. I think that's been, if you ask me, the single largest uh, uh, common thread across all, which is saying this is it because this whole thing of trying to control, mm. I mean, we come from B schools where we're taught to plan mm. and then we're taught to uh, execute and have KPIs to measure against it, right? I mean, and I know a lot of you know people have done these things and have done big achievements and I wish them well. But I think for me, it's been, uh, so it's just been about accepting things as they come, right? Mm. So you have a broad outline of where you want to go, but along the way, there will be situations that change, but it's accepting every situation as it is. Okay. I mean, and every situation comes with a fair share of positives and it comes with a fair share of uh, gaps, right. or challenges, correct? which are away from your expectations. Like I said, one situation, salary is really good. You know, it's a great uh, situation to be in, but uh, you know, you have an issue with your team size or your marketing budgets are low. Other places, your marketing budgets are awesome, really big, but then the culture is really poor. Mm. But then making that peace in that moment and saying, these are the positives, these are the negatives and just over amplifying the positives at any given point in time, I think is, is the way to, uh, uh, to kind of take it. So I think yeah, to, to answer your question, acceptance, I think would be my answer to, to right. that one common philosophy across uh, both the, I mean, across multiple things, uh, the philosophies. Yeah. 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 And I think uh, to probably, at, at least to my mind, uh, you know, unsaid things are brutal honesty uh, when you talk about acceptance. And the other thing is to know yourself. Uh, I think that's when the acceptance actually starts making sense, right? I agree. I agree. I mean, I always use this analogy to say, if I was living in a place where nobody knew me, okay, and I knew nobody, hmm. okay, would I make the same choice? Hmm. You know, I mean, if people did not exist, you were the only person on the planet, correct? Would you be happy with what is going on right now? Or you would, you, would you be comfortable with what it is? And you realize that a lot of the decisions you make are more because of you know your expectations of how other people will perceive you right and how other people will think about you versus just saying 
as is, is it really bad? I mean, you know, I think that's the whole thing about, I think in gratefulness, by the way, it's another thing. Saying I'm happy being, I'm blessed versus a lot of other people in the world. I mean, we are in the top 1% of the world's population. We are privileged, we're educated, we are, uh, we come from good families, we are healthy, we are not undernourished, you know, we have sufficient bank balances to see us through with good food and <laughs> shelter and clothing for the rest of our lives. So I think there's a privilege there and I think that privilege is something also that we take for granted. So I think that's a constant reminder uh, because obviously it's not like you're in the state of mind all the time, but every now and then when you slip into that uh, trap and right. you go down the spiral, you have to remind yourself of things to be uh, grateful for. So yeah, we are so much privileged, right? I think that's that and that gratitude that comes from being privileged is uh, also helps. Yeah. Right. yeah, I think that that's a great reflection question to uh, add to my journal. Uh, so I'll, I'll definitely you know have that. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, mm. It's yeah. a very strong emotion. Right? Gratitude is a very strong emotion. So I think uh, yeah, it lifts you. Yes. <laughs> okay. So switching tracks a bit uh, yes. to a slightly more cynical question. So what's the yes. most MBA thing that you do? Oh my God, I think PowerPoint presentations <laughs> <laughs> and, and soliciting marketing dollars for uh, my plans. Yeah, I think uh, from, yeah, I think the world has changed, right? I think what we learned in MBA, the skills we learned in MBA, I think apart from the basic uh, managerial skills and uh, the analytical skills, Hmm. The tools, be it media planning and all of these, you know, social media. I mean, all these were never there. I think when we were graduating, Orkut was the only social media tool in right. 2004. Right. Google was just in its nascency, but that was pretty much it. There was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no TikTok, there was no WhatsApp, there was no YouTube. I mean, all of these things are skills that you learn along the way. I think what the MBA gives you, obviously, is an analytical framework to think. Uh, it gives you some managerial um, techniques mm -hmm. on how to approach situation problem solving but that's pretty much it i think so yeah 16 years hence i think what's the most mba thing i do powerpoint presentation <laughs> <laughs> so what what uh, did you uh, you know subjects or concepts that you learned in those two years do you still use or uh, you know you feel oh i you know life would have been very different had i not learned this yeah, I think, look, I think, uh, I don't know which professor it was who told us that life will never be the same uh, after you do your Indian marketing. I don't know if it was Drunath or somebody, but consumer marketing, I think I've never seen televisions or a television ad in the same way as I did pre-MBA. Because now every time any ad comes in, I look at what was the brand, what was the benefit, was it a good creative, was it on brief, could the agency have done better? So every creator that comes by you, you watch it with a layer, you know, like a, with a filter, that's the automatic filter that runs through. But I think that whole consumer centric thinking mm. uh, is what uh, the MBA in marketing helped me, honestly. And I think that consumer centric marketing, I must say, is sometimes gets lost in the corporate world because, you know, short term commercial goals sometimes override and kind of uh, bulldoze marketing thinking. Right. And to hold that clear consumer oriented thinking saying, who's my consumer? Am I adding value? What is the proposition that my product brings to the consumer? I think keeping that uh, compass within the boardroom is what uh, the consumer-centric compass within the boardroom is something that uh, the MBA really helped. Right. If you ask one key thing from the MBA and marketing is that consumer-centric thinking and keeping the consumer in the center of the decision. And I think that's the role that marketers also play today, right? You're the voice of the consumer in the boardroom. In a boardroom which is dominated by a CFO who wants uh, bottom line, by a general manager who wants to drive top lines, 
uh, by the sales guys who want like a quick short-term kick uh, in numbers and want to spend all their dollars on short-term promotional activities. I think holding that uh, candle in, <laughs> what do you, what's the right phrase? I think torch in the, in, in the, in the boardroom saying this is the right. consumer's voice. Let's stay focused here is important. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, we've been you know talking to uh, some people about uh, product management, both in the FMCG space and the uh, technology space, and uh, you know some of the big things that we were discussing in those interviews were about uh, empathy and observation and how important uh, they are. Uh, and and when I'm talking to you, it, I'm, you know, getting the same vibes again. Uh, and I think yeah, it's very important that uh, the, the marketers in the board definitely. You know, hold our interest as a consumer. <laughs> Absolutely. No, look, I think there's an interesting study that came in that uh, CMOs today have very short lifespans. They have about 15 months to 20 months or something or in the US or something. It's because finally, you know, the whole uh, Wall Street is, is, uh, is on a drug, right? It's all on short-term gains quickly. And that cascades down in every organization. Mm -hmm. So I think marketeers have to have, have choices. Either you can live in comfort, which is to just say be a yes man and say yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Or you live in uh, a challenge. I think you can't have both. You can't be in comfort and be in a challenge. You can have either one of the two. So I think the, it's important for marketeers to continue showing the light or mm -hmm. holding this candle in the, <laughs> in, in the room saying, guys, this is not the right thing to do and uh, be the voice of reason, be the voice of uh, the consumer in, in the boardroom. Very important. Because right. eventually businesses will win only when they win consumers. We know that, right? I mean, I think uh, that's uh, very important. So it's, it's a constant tussle. And yeah. uh, I think marketers are a, have to be a brave lot to stand right. up in the boardroom to say, this is what I want and uh, this is the way it should be done. Right. Yeah. yeah. You make it sound like it's the, it's you know, it's what... Uh, it's the right, morally right thing to do for the marketers, right? And everything else is probably uh, influencing them to go the other way, but uh, they have to stand their ground and uh, you know do it the right way. Absolutely, because look, everybody in this organization does a certain role, right? I think like the sales guy's role is to develop channels and ensure your products available. The HR's role is to ensure that there's good uh, uh, pool of talent uh, that's uh, ready to deliver on a certain goal. The marketer's role is to ensure that whatever decisions you do, are in the best long-term interest of consumers. There's obviously a short-term interest as well, but I think holding that uh, long-term interest uh, and keeping it central in the boardroom discussions is something very, very important. Mm. It takes courage because it often doesn't go your way. And you know the downside means that you know obviously there's career turbulence, there is uh, a lot of angst that comes with often speaking your mind. But I right. think those are choices marketers have to make. Okay. Uh, it's an individual choice. You can you can also be a yes man. Or you can you can also say okay, look, this is a yes. I accept. I will do whatever you guys want me to do. Hmm. But deep within, then it loses soul and it loses meaning. Hmm. Hmm. I think it's important uh, that you know you hold that uh, consumer interest up. Right. Right. So this this brings me to uh, you know a slightly different uh, direction that uh, I wanted to also take. So when you're talking about marketing and you're talking about empathy and your consumers interest you're essentially talking about human interest right yes, uh, so knowing more about humans how they think uh, is not something which uh, you know which is given the right kind of importance back uh, when we were studying at least i, I don't know how it is uh, these days in the curriculum but uh, and there were courses there were courses in hr 
uh, and i was you know talking to a couple of our uh, uh, friends and they said yeah one thing that i should have done more was probably you know take some of those uh, courses because after the first 6 or 8 years i figured that it was all about you know working with people uh, yes. so is that something that you feel yeah i should have done more of uh, or you know it should be part of the curriculum your thoughts on that yeah no i think completely i think people make or break uh, any organization so any time it comes to a recruit but i keep telling this to our hr as well i think a manager's role 60% or 70% of the role is done when you hire the right candidate because once you have the right person on board right i think you've solved a large part of your problem because this person if he's got the right skill he's got the right outlook he's got the right uh, mindset he can take care of a lot of your you know he'll he'll do the work for you he'll do the running for you there's only so many things you can do as an individual right when you're running teams eventually you're dependent or your teams need to run ahead of you to get yes. things done right it's so very important so i think for me i do agree that i think uh, back then there was not as much emphasis on understanding human behavior right or understanding triggers barrier managing people was never a big theme in b schools and i think it should be added for me my growth moment also came when i moved out of india like i said where i started working with people from different cultures correct so it's very diff- so while we're all human beings and we have a very similar kind of uh, if you may say human behaviors are, are, are universal right i mean a person in nigeria has a similar uh, motivation factor as a person in japan is very similar to somebody in thailand is very similar to somebody in australia for example right right but then they're all very culturally very very different i mean uh, money might excite somebody hmm. right a uh, uh, recognition on a on a on a global forum might excite somebody else hmm. speaking respectfully and not putting somebody down might excite somebody else giving a certain reward to somebody you know and ensuring the person gets opportunities to do something might excite somebody else so understanding human behavior what triggers what motivates uh, is very 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 uh, important especially and for me this uh, like i said my 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 moment of learning was when i moved out of india because suddenly you are in a culture where the same rules don't work so india is for example let me give you an example india at least back then was a very uh, hierarchical culture right i mean speaking down or, or kind of demanding a certain level of uh, work from your subordinate was saying look you need to work till 10 o'clock you need to work on weekends for example it was unsaid and you would like grudgingly you know drag yourself into office to get things done on a saturday uh, but when you move out and come into other cultures you realize that you can't be such demanding and you know pushing somebody to come on a weekend to work for example or expecting somebody to work uh, post 7 o'clock in the evening can reflect poorly on you as a leader it mm. can cause disengagement to the team so the level of uh, in india i'm sure at least back then in the days we were all hungry you know we would work the weekend because we wanted to impress our bosses because that's the way we saw life but different cultures react very differently mm. some people uh, don't often like to be talked to they like to be Kind of you need to collaborate with them and you need to work with them to build consensus versus mm. being told to do something mm. Mm. Uh, there are some cultures which are very quiet where people don't express themselves openly in meetings but then behind you and you know subtly they will you'll get a small resignation note after a few days saying mm-hmm. not happy right uh, and some of the east asian cultures are that way they don't express very openly mm. in meetings and forums but then they are they are they're brewing on the inside if you know what i mean right. so i think very important i think uh, people are uh, managing people and the art of managing people uh, is something that perhaps is not uh, was not 
begin uh, those days but i think something we should look at mm-hmm. there's only so many things you can do there's only so many skills you can learn there's only so much i can learn about i don't know social media there's only so much i can learn about seo there's only so much i can know about ai or ml or whatever it is that's coming in today right eventually right. you need people to be running these for you um so understanding how to manage people certainly very very key mm-hmm. yeah so uh that that reminds me when i i know for a fact that you uh, end up taking a lot of these uh, courses so what kind of courses do you take and uh, again i haven't heard of lot of people you know doing these courses on say seo or ai ml and and all these things but you definitely make it a point to stay abreast of whatever is you know the latest trend that is going to have an impact on your career work so uh, yeah. talk a bit about that you know what are those choices why do you make you know why do you pick those courses that you have taken and how do you make time to do to actually you know learn all those things yeah no i think look it's just it's genuine hunger to know frankly it's it's uh, it's not with the motive to you know have a career or uh, you know that i need this at my job it's a genuine hunger to know what is happening in the world of consumer marketing right mm-hmm. it's because marketing consumer marketing or changing consumer behavior is something that i that, that is my that is my calling and that's something i've decided to make as my career now there are different ways in which things are evolving we need new media channels that are coming in there could be in terms of new technology that's coming in so there's a genuine hunger to know what's happening and that curiosity gets me into these uh, courses and thing and mm-hmm. what i've done is maybe i give myself uh, one or two hours every weekend mm-hmm. okay and uh, it's either through regular courses which is uh, you know the likes of digital vidya or something like that mm. back in india or through coursera or udemy courses mm. uh, or basically a lot of youtube courses you mm. follow a couple of good uh, blogs you get a lot of insights from these things mm. but it's also about just structuring and giving it a structure versus just uh, doing it like sleeping in bed and just going through it like as a good weekend treat right. mm. because i realize that if you do it that way you don't really register you're not able to structure your thinking very clearly mm. Mm. So I think it's also important to structure this two hours that you give to yourself, one or two hours that you give to yourself every week, to structure it and put it down in the right buckets. Mm-hmm. So you're clear. So yeah, it's a genuine hunger, uh, Arish. It's not so much about it's not so much about you know career betterment goal, but it's just mm-hmm. hunger to know. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's exciting to see how the world has changed. Right. At the time when we were taught only television advertising and outdoor. Mm-hmm. Today in my role, I do zero ATL. I mean, I don't right. do any television. I don't do any outdoor. In fact, most of my work is. Uh, pr influencer marketing and uh, social media content based work that we do mm-hmm. it's very very different world we live in today from the world we graduated with mm-hmm. so you have to know you, right. yeah yeah and the the you know other side to this is uh, there's so much to learn uh, so how do you pick what to learn yeah so i think again tough question my thing has been i realized that perhaps i may not be able to become an expert at all these things mm. right and my life stage i think my career stage also such that perhaps i would not be able to zoom in and get depth mm. so what i do is i try and get width right so i try and get familiar with as many topics as needed for me to make a informed choice at work mm. and when i need to make big decisions around i don't know let's say it's an investment in a chatbot for example right then i need to go to an expert but i need to have the basic mm. understanding of how an x situation plans out right okay i i think uh, the days of uh, having uh, universal experts you know people who are you know the know alls you know no i know everything of uh, tv advertising and this is gone I and mean, honestly uh, i think we many of us don't know a lot correct uh, best the question is uh, we need to have fluent understanding of things 
but uh, when it comes to making big choices you know, $100,000 $200,000 investment choices then you need to uh, you know run to an expert for sure right yeah, yeah. my view has been go with hmm. soak in as much width as you can uh, and and then um, use an expert to go in there yeah so there's, there's a uh, there's a you know learning platform or uh, site called 42 courses i don't know if you've heard of it uh, so they mm-hmm. have this line uh, which says you know no enough to be dangerous in that topic <laughs> <laughs> yeah look you need to have the ability to converse through some topics right or at least make a top level evaluation of some things at least you know again it's all depending on a certain life stage and career so i think if there is a i don't know 25 year old listening to this okay i would say man go depth you know yeah. take one topic because you have that you know runway for you to run and get depth in one topic mm-hmm. it's also it's also circumstances life stage career stage you know where you realize that perhaps one one stream depth is not the need of the hour it's perhaps more broad based understanding on topics yeah right yeah so yeah. Uh, you know com- coming to that uh, if you were to rewind to 2002 the day before you entered say you know the campus at mdi gurgaon what advice would you give yourself uh well, so now yeah i i think i would uh, tell myself to be more easy on campus i think i i lived through those two years in a bit of a rat race to be honest because i think you know we all mature at different stages in life i think at that point i was a little still raw i was still uh, chasing perhaps uh, grades i was still running the rat race and i didn't perhaps enjoy the campus if you may say and the life at that point uh, i took myself too seriously so i would tell uh, myself go easy it'll all work out fine remember to have fun and enjoy along the way i think that's something i didn't perhaps do as much as i should have done uh, back then yeah right what's an underrated skill that you think people should you know learn or people should invest time and effort into uh communication okay verbal and written hmm. and uh, it can make a world of difference uh, you know in day to day life everything is about communication i'm speaking to you is communication me telling my team in saudi arabia something x is communication my tonality when i say that is giving him some subtle hints about what i think my whatsapp message to him these days we don't use emails anymore i remember we used to have this english uh, writing classes right the z3 or the z4 mm-hmm. z4 yeah how to write i think communication is uh, is something that is paramount in today's world hmm. because at the end in as leaders and organizations you're communicating you're not really executing as much you're setting direction you're setting objectives you're communicating and the way you communicate be it written be it verbal uh, can be a deal maker right. the right words the right tonality the right expression can get an outstanding result the same message given with the wrong tonality the wrong words or the wrong facial expression can pull the project the other way around so yeah, yeah i think communication i would just say communication is the is the underrated skill today yeah. and and especially these days with uh, you know so many different new media formats and uh, also the whole thing about fake news uh, you need to be really you know uh, good with uh, new media these days right absolutely i mean today communication channels is remarking to my colleagues that you know we got three or four streams of work communication going on at any point in time first is your outlook mail which is running in parallel mm-hmm. then you've got whatsapp these days which has also become like a pseudo mail system where people are just chatting and having business discussion in whatsapp 
Then you've got Skype where people are pinging you on Skype. Then you've got Teams where something's happening on Teams and everybody's got a chat forum. Right. And then you're like tracking the same conversation across so many different things, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's important to, you know, you, every time you communicate, you're conscious that you're communicating with the other person and not just type in you know, just for the sake of it. I think being that, being aware that you're, you're communicating with a human being on the other side who may misread a exclamatory mark or a question mark or a full stop very differently Correct. is important. Yeah. Uh, you know, two question marks can be misleading to somebody. Two exclamatory marks can be seen as, hmm, what do we think? <laughs> so it's, 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 it's important because, yeah. Yeah. Right. So what's, what's your superpower, Vinay? Oh, um, I think the ability to keep a calm head hmm. in a overheated situation is perhaps what I would say was a unique skill that I have. Okay, and I think um, keeping the egos out of the day-to-day interactions with people. Uh, is very important because I think skill-wise, honestly, I'm I'm very ordinary. I don't have any extraordinary skills versus a lot of my peers. There are a lot of very bright people who are out there who've achieved a lot uh, from a marketing skill and thought leadership standpoint. Um, but I think from a soft uh, behavioral standpoint, I think just keeping a calm and calculated head when it comes to navigating to situations is interesting because every day we run into situations where you are at odds with your sales colleagues, where you're at odds with your general manager, where you're at odds with your global marketing teams, correct? And often these situations can result in uh, kind of a lot of emotions coming in and, you know, heat, <laughs> kind of tensions building up. So the ability to just navigate clearly through the situation, stay calm, rise above the situation and to see the solution clearly is, is, is for me is an asset. I see a lot of time being invested in organizations on politics, uh, emotional, you know, like ego clashes, which honestly is a drain on resources and doesn't really achieve anything right at the end. Uh, posturing, you know, like uh, one man, uh, one upmanship or the other doesn't help. I think what helps is uh, trying to maintain that calm and ensure there's a positive uh, working culture, ability to collaborate. I think that that's what it is. Yeah. Hmm. Stay calm, collaborate and get things done going. So get things done in the organization. That's important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Any any influences, you know, books, people, ideas, thoughts that have shaped you and your career? Mm. Look, yeah, on this one, I, I think uh, influencers for me is not so much about uh, my seniors or you know people who are marketing leaders i think we learn a lot of things from everybody right i think uh, and my approach has been to try and keep uh, to learn from everyone right i mean uh, it could be the intern in your office who is uh, working so he can settle his home loan it could be the uh, the widow coming into your office with a brave face smiling getting her work done knowing that she has to go back to an empty house um, it could be a marketing boss. I mean, who's, who's given you this awesome insight into consumer marketing and you feel like, wow, I learned something new. And I wish I told you, I mean, I've, all, I've been inspired with the way you made your choices around career and thing. And we spoke about this as well, right? right. So we learn from everybody. We learn from everything around it. I think as, as long as you're aware and you're alert to what's happening, you there are options you can learn. Not just marketing skills, but generally life skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something to gain and look up to from every individual around you. I think that that's, that's the way I look at it. But, yeah, so no, no one particular person or no one particular uh, 
uh, individual per se. It's you, you gain from everyone. You just broad based. Don't get attached to anyone. I also think we should not get attached to any one particular thought process or one particular philosophy. Mm-hmm. So then that boxes you again. That's another limitation, right? Mm-hmm. So try and keep it open. Learn from everybody around you, younger, senior, junior, whatever it is, different walks, different people, marketing, sales, administration, maybe the receptionist. You can learn from everybody a different thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what what do people come to you for? Uh, I would say most of the time it's about, like I said, it's resolving people's challenges. It's uh, when they run into challenges with their superiors. I'm often the person people want to, I would say, again, without sounding too brash, people would want to confide in. Mm-hmm. Or somebody's had a tiff with the, the general manager. So they would come to me saying, hey, man, this is what happened. How, what do I do? What do you think? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, you know, this is what this guy told me. In, in This is what the sales guy told me. I'm not happy with it. What do you think I should do? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think... Uh, yeah, perhaps they just come to me for uh, for, for perhaps just a view on, on what's how to approach the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know what you call it, a confidant maybe. I don't know what's the right word, but yeah. I often see people uh, reach out when they have dilemmas to resolve. And mm-hmm. often it's dilemmas related to uh, ego tussles, it's dilemmas related to conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you navigate through this? You know, How do you manage to stay calm? So these are the kind of queries I've got uh, off late. Um, yeah. Okay. And uh, what would you have been doing if you'd not done an MBA? Or if not MBA, what would you have been doing? Uh, I think uh, I would be running a small kind of a restaurant serving uh, Indian uh, seafood mm-hmm. somewhere in South India. I think that's my second uh, calling, which has been cooking. I discovered it rather late, but I think uh, that's the other uh, moment of uh, peace for me. Right and and, uh, and and yeah, I think I think that's what I would be doing. Yeah, if not MBA, I think a small shack. You know, Ammu's in uh, Gurgaon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that kind of a thing, but perhaps a little more hygienic with a, <laughs> with a slightly bigger tables and uh, uh, better ambience. But yes, I think uh, something like that. Really uh, earthy, homely, uh, natural. Uh, Kind of food and, and cooking. I think I'd, I'd be doing running a small small setup, nothing very fancy, hmm. something uh, approachable and everyday. Right. Yeah. Right. Is, is it still an option? Yes, high on the agenda. But I think once I'm past my <laughs> let <me> say material goals, <laughs> then we'll get into the uh, next order benefits. Actualization. Yes, actualization. <laughs> I think for now, I've still got a little way to go before we uh, cross the material goals. So let's cross <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Slightly morbid one. So, if you were to write yeah. your own obituary, uh, yeah, what what would you say? Yeah. So, look, I think uh, first and foremost, I would say, what did my family think of me? And I've since you asked, I've written mine. Right? So, it's, it's I have a small little note. I think for me, the question is, what did my family think of me? Which is uh, my wife, my child, uh, my father, my mother. Right. I think they would want. I would want them to feel happy that I gave them uh, my hundred percent. Uh, good or bad, right? I mean, whatever it is, I gave them a hundred percent. I was a good son. I was a good uh, husband, a good father. Uh, I think that for me is central. And I think that for me is the absolute tick mark that I want to do in life, which is mm. that they know that I, I did my best for them in my role as a son, a father and a husband. Mm. Yeah. I think the next level would be, uh, what did uh, the world think of me? Mm. Okay. When I say the world, it is uh, 
generally it's it's friends family the extended family what did they think of me and that's where i think the whole thing about giving back is very important uh which is i want the world to say well this guy came it's not that he lived selfishly and you know he ate he drank he made merry and you know he earned a lot of uh, uh money and you know he became a big uh, xyz in the corporate world and then he kicked the bucket and he went hmm. so i would i would want to see if i could do something of impact where perhaps you make the lives of people a little better okay and i don't say this in a very kind of uh, regular way just about it could be small thing like you know somebody who was uh, monetarily better maybe education wise better um you know taking care of uh, underprivileged people um yeah so i think that's something that's been with me for a while and it's it's again very high on my uh, agenda as well for the future mm-hmm. something that we used to do in mdi if you remember with, with the samaritans i think that has remained with me so while my efforts have been largely have been as active in terms of investing time mm. uh, but i think in the future at some point i want to invest time on this front to give back and make the lives of some people a little better some people even if it means five kids make their lives get a little better mm. uh, with what i could do i think that will be a life with much more meaning right yeah and and the final question over the last 16 18 years what has changed and what has remained the same oh well tough tough question i think uh, nothing's uh, the same right everything's changed uh, everything has changed um, i think uh, the city we were living in has changed uh, our outlook on life has changed and i think everything changes the bhk i don't think uh, circumstances keep changing yeah i think what what has not changed i would say is at least uh, is is uh, is a internal and a moral compass if i may say mm-hmm. i think that's something that needs to remain strong and that is important that doesn't change right it's who you are as a person i'm still that person from south india you know who's there who has a certain value system and outlook on life that still remains the same that has not changed mm-hmm. right but i think uh, everything else in terms of life circumstances place of living career outlook on life financial expectations uh, all of that has changed right. i mean that that part changes a lot but i think fundamentally your moral compass and your your, your value systems that are there that doesn't change mm. yeah i think that that remains if you since then to now it's a tough question though so i think i'm a little garbled when i answer this but uh, yeah i think that internal value system remains the same Right. yeah thanks thanks vinay this is fantastic yeah. lot of uh, actionable insights uh, <laughs> so that i can pick up myself uh, yeah. i don't know about the listeners but i definitely am going to pick up quite a few things uh, from uh, this uh, chat that we had and uh, thanks a lot for uh, coming on this uh, show if i may call it <laughs> no no but look really thank you very much i think it's nice i think when you first told me this is going to be a career uh, related chat i was a little anxious because <laughs> <laughs> i'm not really the uh, uh poster child for a career uh, story from mdi right but uh, i think this conversation has gone beyond career into other dimensions right of life in general and the topics which are more uh, human behavior related so i think i enjoyed it as well